Hello friends, you might have noticed us talking a lot about AI and productivity lately. Now it's time to walk the talk. We have partnered with Samsung to show you what their latest and most capable phone, Galaxy S24 Ultra, can do in your busy everyday life. For example, we ourselves are using Samsung's transcript assist capabilities to transcribe and summarize the conversations with our guests. And you can do it too in your meetings. It captures the voice perfectly and you will not need to spend any time trying to distill the essence from the presentation that your boss is giving on synergy, being a family and thinking outside the box, you know, those things. Samsung also offers another cool feature that I've not seen anywhere else, live translate. This means you can call any phone, even a landline from your Galaxy device and it will do live translation to 13 languages, French, Spanish, Italian. We all know many people in those countries don't speak English and now you can book a table in that restaurant in Rome and have full confidence that they actually took down your reservation. And last but not least, you can literally circle to search anything by just circling an object on the screen at any time. Previously, what you had to do, take a screenshot, then you upload it to a search engine, but not anymore. So that jacket someone's wearing on Instagram, just draw a circle around it and your Galaxy AI will find it. So stop wasting your time and brain power on these small everyday things. Head to our LinkedIn page to see how we are using Samsung Galaxy AI ourselves and become a scrappiness machine. Check out samsung.lv as well to find out more. Links in episode notes. All right, dear listeners, we are back uh, from our field trip to TechChill here with myself and my co-host Jan Zeps. Hey, Jan. Hello. And we have caught in the hallways of TechChill, Robin Salwax from Eagronom. Hi. Uh, Robin is CEO and co-founder at Eagronom, or Eagronom, I guess it would be the international version. And uh, their slogan, in the front line of stopping climate change. So maybe you can tell us a bit more about what does that actually mean? Yeah, well, in general, what it means is that we are helping farmers to be, build long-term partnership with nature. And uh, the thing is that farmers really want to change practices toward more sustainable, but it has to be profitable for them uh, already in the short term because they have to pay the next loan payment. And uh, the good news is that there are some um, companies who can uh, make it short term profitable. So there are some companies who are happy to pay to farmers to sequester CO2 from the atmosphere into the soil. Banks are happy to give better terms to farmers who manage uh, farms sustainably. Similarly, like they give better terms to electric car buyers. And food companies are happy to pay more money for the food that is produced with low emissions. And also landlords are happy to pay uh, or to give better rental terms to farmers who manage their land more sustainably. The tricky thing is that all of those stakeholders, even though they have good things in mind, they, uh, they're not able to detect which farmers are sustainable and what are the emissions, how much they uh, sequester carbon uh, in the soil. And this is where we come in, in with our software and our certifications. Uh, we help to calculate the emissions in the farm, verify if the, if the data is correct, and also have uh, needed certifications, for example, to produce carbon credits uh, or to make sure that uh, this farm is EU taxonomy aligned for banks and etc. I think a lot of people have tried to solve this because, you know, in order to make a change, it needs to have financial incentives behind it. So how does exactly that part for you work? Like, so a farmer is, is interested in producing stuff cheaply and, and, and you know, business-wise, well for him. How do you guys come in? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, just to give you some examples, what are the ways to sequester more carbon in, in the farm is by applying cover crops. So uh, having uh, some crop, if you go drive around and sometimes you see uh, just black field, this means that at the time this field is not sequestering any carbon at all. So we use this space uh, to uh, introduce cover cropping in the farm. So actually farmers are doing it, but we help to pay, uh, cover the cost. In the long run, by the way, it's anyways profitable for farmers because uh, there will be more nutrients in the soil and farmers have to pay less for fertilizers to get better yield. But in the short term, they have to invest in cover cropping, the seed, and uh, they have to execute the tasks. So we, uh, we um, pay uh, them for doing it. And then we get the right to produce carbon credits on their fields, um, uh, for the, for this extra sequestration and this uh, these credits are then sold to uh, companies who want to offset their carbon footprint. Just some examples are LHV, the publicly traded bank in Estonia, uh, also working uh, on some uh, together with some startups. Uh, and then, but but the tricky part in farming on that side is uh, uh, on on the carbon credit side is uh, that. Farmers have to do practice change today, but the credits will be generated maybe in five years uh, when the second soil sampling is done by some of our partners, uh, regional partners. And uh, and uh, then that would mean that farmer would have to do all the practices today and then credits are here after uh, five years and then we can only pay. But to cover, to um, tackle this problem, uh, we launched our, today it's becoming a spin-off. So we launched Solid World DAO, DAO, uh, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, that is basically automated marketplace for pre-certified carbon credits. But in this marketplace, uh, you always need the demand and supply. So this is why we uh, emitted tokens and are selling these tokens to provide liquidity uh, for the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So automatically, when there is more uh, demand, uh, then it's uh, it's it's uh, basically buying up more uh, or selling more more of the credits, and when there is more supply, then it, it's buying uh, credits automatically. And the tr- uh, but the tricky part over there is that our initial target was to sell 2.5 million dollars worth of tokens in 2022, but we did it already in Q1. That means that the acronym cannot produce enough credits uh, for the marketplace, which is a good thing, uh, obviously. And uh, we are uh, now like uh, uh, Solid is really turning into spin-off, uh, working with all kinds of high-quality nature-based uh, certification. Um, you need more land, basically. Yeah, exactly. But also in forestry, in with wetlands and so on, and uh, with with brokers and even with some of our competitors to help to pre uh, to finance their uh, carbon credit generation. So that's that's really interesting how it grew. Like we had a problem uh, inside e acronym, and it uh, it's it's basically turning into a startup on its own. How to tell uh, real initiatives that work towards reducing climate change from? PR-ish type of companies or initiatives? Like, are there any kind of examples that you would say, like, these are really good good companies or trends to follow, maybe apart from, from what you guys are doing? I'm an optimist, and I believe that in general, uh, most companies have uh, good, good uh, thoughts and mm-hmm. goals in mind. Uh, also, I think companies understand that it's so risky uh, now to do greenwashing, and they're moving more and more toward uh, real stuff. Uh, 
also on the on the carbon credit side, a big trend is only sequestration based credits. Uh, so basically, right now, carbon market is around one billion dollars uh, voluntary carbon market, mm-hmm. and majority of this is emission reduction. Uh, but uh, it it's uh, and actually big part some Indian wind farms that are already profitable anyways, but uh, that uh, were part of some. Uh, carbon certification uh, methodology some time ago and uh, now they can continue generating credits uh, from this. But uh, the industry is moving toward only sequestration based because there is uh, the uh, people expect that emission reduction will happen anyways. So the sequestration is something that's additional, clearly additional. And uh, uh, so that's one thing. So uh, on on the carbon credit side and offsetting side, uh, the sequestration is the big thing and really big challenge because we have to first replace uh, the emission reduction credits, but then we also have to keep up with the growth of the market. Mm. The market is growing super fast as well and is expected to reach more than 50 billion by 2030. So uh, less than eight years to go and uh, 50 times growth expectation. Super fast growing. But... In general, the emission reduction is even more important than sequestration. If you don't think about the offsetting side, but if you think about climate change in general, uh, by 2030, we have to reduce as in humanity net emissions by uh, 23 billion tons. By the way, super easy to remember, uh, 23, Michael Jordan's uh, shirt number. <laughs> if I understood this, never forget it again. So 23 billion tons, 90% of this has to come from emission reduction. Uh, and then 10%, so around 2 billion tons from uh, sequestration. So emission reduction is also very important. And today I was on a stage with uh, uh, Air Baltic CEO, and it's really good to see that, uh, well, first of all, he had very clear vision that already Air Baltic is doing some changes toward uh, uh, lower emissions. And they have a clear vision uh, together with some other companies to become zero emissions by 2050. He said that uh, uh, hydrogen and electric planes uh, will be uh, the thing in 2035. And so that's when they and other companies will start replacing their fleet, but replacing the fleet takes time. So by 2050, aviation Mm. is carbon neutral. That was really cool thing to see uh, and like to learn. And uh, that also uh, like gives some more optimism uh, about the industry. One less optimistic topic that I had in mind <clears throat> with the war in Ukraine, there's a, a big pressure on like global food supplies, and uh, and I've heard about that that not only direct impact of Ukraine being unable to you know harvest and export enough of uh, of uh, grains, but also Russia limiting fertilizer sales could have a huge impact on uh, on global kind of food production and i was wondering if uh, if you feel that already some way in the in the markets where you operate some kind of uh, impact either positive or negative or or sideways uh, from this yeah absolutely so well first of all um Feeding the world is as important goal and target uh, as uh, reducing emissions and reaching net zero. Uh, so this is why, again, why certifications matter. So they think about things like this. Uh, by the methodology that we follow, uh, we cannot reduce 
food production on this land. Because otherwise, let's imagine like all Estonian and, and Latvian farmers would st- start growing trees. Someone else would have to feed our uh, people over here. So uh, these are the things that certifications give, uh, like the, even even these small details. Uh, so uh, emission reduction and sequestration can work together with uh, uh, with uh, f- like providing food for the humanity. Even in some regions, it's actually a precondition for providing uh, f- uh, food. For example, in Africa, there will be some regions where uh, it will be too dry to farm and too hot to farm without agroforestry. So agroforestry can provide shadows then uh, mm-hmm. for the plants. So that's that's one thing. Uh, about Ukraine, the biggest thing actually, uh, it's pr- profitable to produce more food uh, right now uh, for farmers. So the fertilization prices went uh, up. It's difficult to get fertilizers and the prices are super high, but the food prices uh, are even higher. So it's actually like to get more fertile, it's, it makes sense to uh, try to produce as much food as possible uh, if you can lock the price today. Uh, for the for the food as well, and if you find uh, fertilizers, at the same time, uh, some farmers are afraid uh, about the situation that usually, like time to time, happens when the fertilization prices go up, and then for some years maybe uh, the grain prices are up as well. But then uh, the worst nightmare is that you buy a fertilizer and then the grain prices drop. Because of this, farmers are still already thinking, okay, how can I reduce fertilizers uh, without uh, reducing yield and over there uh, the same practices that sequester carbon in the soil are actually opportunity and solution so that's one thing uh, that is so it's actually directing farmers more towards sustainability and the other thing is that uh, well more specifically about Ukraine uh, on uh, I think 24th February when uh, uh, the attack started, uh, then uh, we had scheduled a call uh, with potential partner over there. And that call was obviously cancelled right away. Uh, but uh, uh, so right now things are on hold on Ukraine market. But uh, we would be super happy if Ukraine would join European Union. That would be the best thing for our business uh, because we would have then a clear, uh, like, a, uh, legislative system and uh, and clear uh, rule sets and we can well uh, basically credits produced in European Union are worth much more for example than credits uh, produced outside of EU so I uh, would love to welcome these guys in uh, in EU what happens with food prices from your angle i mean globally you understand these markets way better than we do you see uh, some people are raising like alarms that you know we will have uh, starvation and hunger coming i mean do you do you see it that way as well like for the farmers you mentioned it's great for business but like what what will happen to market people like us you know buying stuff so first of all uh, i think in europe we don't have to worry about uh, the hunger even with those hiring uh, like uh, even with those uh, and, and bigger impact for the food production. Like climate change will have much bigger impact for the f- food production than war in uh, Ukraine has. Uh, uh, but the biggest, it, it most impacts uh, very poor people in Africa and especially in those regions that will be very hot and difficult to farm. So it's the worst expectation is that uh, there might be one billion people who will uh, uh, go hungry because of the climate change uh, if you don't do it. And mm. then why it's still like uh, even egoistically why it matters for Europeans is that these people then want to move 
and uh, and if, mm-hmm. if we don't um, stop the climate change, then these people want to move to other places. So, uh, 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 so but but uh, for Europeans, the food prices. Uh, I think bigger part of the food prices are, for example, salaries of people who are. Uh, selling in the stores and uh, people who are transporting and people who are doing marketing uh, for the food. So the the farmer actually gets quite small part of this uh, this total uh, well uh, total price uh, that we are paying in the store. What are like hottest uh, startups in sustainability that you yourself follow and that you maybe from all fields that you would say like you know I, in in few years they will be. I know unicorns or it can be Baltics, can be global. Uh, well, obviously, e acronym and Solid World. Why I think we yeah. have unicorns uh, growing over here, but um, uh, well, uh, other startups who are hopefully who, well, single earth. You mentioned them. I hope that they will do fine. Uh, they have a different model, uh, but uh, same target uh, to make uh, sustainable practices profitable. Uh, they mainly focus on the forest side right now, but uh, uh-huh. uh, but still, uh, I hope that they will do well. There are um, there are some big uh, uh, companies who have their own spin-offs, like Yara, one of the biggest fertilization company, has a spin-off called Agoro. Uh, I think it means market in Latin or something. But they also help farmers to produce carbon credits. So we hope that they are doing well. Uh, by the way, Head of Our Carbon Program is now leading their European operations. Um, a really cool guy. And uh, uh, also uh, in North America, there is a company called Indigo Ag, which is a company made by ex-Syngenta people. Syngenta is the biggest chemical company. And they started by doing uh, like bio... Uh, bio uh, crop protection products but now have also the carbon program on that side so yeah, these are few mentions but uh, I'm sure that there are many other companies also who uh, well some are working more on the energy sector uh, mm. Skeleton one uh, Estonian startup uh, well helping to move the transportation industry to our more electrification and etc right. how do people reach you if they want to you know Join the company or, or offer partnerships? Uh, well, obviously, one thing is uh, to write me robin at theacronym.com uh, or just find me on LinkedIn, uh, Robin Salvox, or just uh, come to our website and there are ways to uh, reach. We still have well, small company, relatively 80 people, 80. And uh, time to time I get those letters that, hey, there is some potential partner and uh, or, well, uh, sometimes actually forward those letters to some other people in Iakron who are more relevant to deal with mm. these things. All right, cool. Well, thanks for uh, joining us here at TechChill. Hope you have a great event and I guess you already were on stage so so uh, cannot wish you be- good luck with that but, uh, but uh, thanks for, for joining and have a safe trip back home. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, bye. If you like this show, remember to leave us a rating or review. It helps other people to discover the pursuit of scrappiness.